Welcome to Lead with Kindness, where we talk about how kindness is essential for business health and also personal mental health, and in my opinion, is the right thing to do. We're going to talk today to Liz Shaolan Alper, who's a TV writer and the co-founder of Pay Up Hollywood, which advocates for humane treatment of assistants in Hollywood, and also Birgit Zacher Hansen, one of my favorite people. Master Certified Coach and author of Who Will Do What by When. She has been a corporate coach for the New York Yankee Organization, many government and private sector accountability situations, and also she works with major hospital corporations and, of course, Hollywood writers and producers where she's trained my writing staffs in how to be accountable to each other, how to have trust, how to have communication, how to have an incredibly efficient and wonderful workflow that was just from the get-go. Fantastic, because I brought her on from the very start of those writers' rooms. Okay, so we have some situations to talk about in a kind of case study environment. Liz, can you first tell us what you do, why you started Pay Up Hollywood, and what its mission is right now? Pay Up Hollywood started four years ago. It was created by myself and Deirdre Mangan because at the time we were discussing the treatment of Hollywood assistants in the industry currently because we had been talking with so many assistants who are on the brink of leaving the industry. We'd always been passionate about assistant treatment. We were both assistants. I was an assistant for almost nine years before I was staffed as a television writer. I've worked as showrunners assistants. I've worked in scripted. I've worked out of scripted. And every time it was very clear that As an assistant, I was the lowest priority, but also the worst treated, the lowest paid, and the one who was also working the hardest. So this was an epidemic that we had saw, and we decided that something needed to be done. People had been speaking out about it for years, and no action had really been taken. And so we felt that it was time to stand up and make it known that this sort of treatment wasn't okay. And on the heels of Me Too which obviously Hollywood went through an entire revolution during that time, a lot of the assistants had been left out of that. And so for us, we wanted to create a grassroots movement that would focus on amplifying the plight of assistants while also demanding accountability from the industry to make sure that assistants were paid well, treated safely, and were given opportunities to move up because this is the next generation of Hollywood leaders And if we don't start treating people right at the bottom, that sort of behavior is just going to become cyclical and the next generation will be treated just as poorly as the first. So we're just trying to break the cycle. Awesome. Okay. And then Birgit, would you tell us, please, how you work with people to manage commitments and how to hold people accountable? (laughs) I love the way you are introducing the question. Can I just add something to Liz? Because I'm sitting here and thinking, now I understand why I'm on this. (laughs) Because I so resonated with what you were talking about, Liz, even though I'm not technically in your industry, but I I was born in Germany and when I came to the United States, worked for international organizations, and I saw the very same thing that you're describing in those environments, and that's when I became passionate about what do we do about this? How do we close the gender gap, for example, I happened to be in a position where I had all the data right at my fingertips and I would observe people in meetings and see that they weren't treated equally and they weren't included and there was so much dysfunction. I just had this whole journey of going back to the beginning of my career and why I do what I do today. 
because I can see that it was that pain that I felt, that lack of empowerment at the time that made me curious to learn how can I empower myself and other people in organizations to be themselves, to speak their truth, to be courageous and to, to live better lives, right? I think at the end of the day, we're all worthy of living the best life and being happy and joyful at work and empowered. And so when you just ask me what I do, this is not what I do. I have this great privilege of working with huge government agencies, hundreds of thousands of people, and developing leaders to develop other leaders to change the culture and create an environment where people come to work every day and can be who they are, bring their best game, right? And feel proud at the end of the day. Now that's the goal. I'm not saying we're all there, but we are making great progress and people are shifting the mindset from, oh, we can't change anything. That's the way it is to, wow, what if we could? What if we could change this and we could all be safe and we could all have joy? And so, yeah, I'm going to stop right here because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to keep going all day. I'm super, super passionate about how to make those environments happen and create these kinds of cultures by developing leaders who can pay attention to that. I love yeah, but you're one of those leaders. I just want to compliment <laughs> you back because you're one of those leaders who sees the importance of culture and pays attention to it and really has gotten so good at actually implementing, you know, a lot of the stuff that you and I talk about on the coaching calls. So you're just one of my favorite people too. Oh, I'm so you. glad to be here. Oh, thanks. I just want to second go. all of that. That's <laughs> so great. Yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> I asked Liz before we started here, to give us a couple of case studies. And these are anonymous examples, but they are from real life, Liz. The first scenario that we have, an assistant wrote in to pay up Hollywood about the huge increase of responsibilities dumped on them beyond the job description with no additional pay. When they expressed concerns to their supervisor, they were told, your job is to do whatever we tell you to do. This assistant fears that their attempts to ask for fair pay and boundaries will hurt their chances for continued employment, both at this job and elsewhere in the industry. This is something that many, many assistants in this industry fear because they feel that they do not have the power to request reasonable boundaries at their job. They're expected to be on call 24 seven for basically minimum wage. And it's no longer sustainable. But when they bring this up, they're either rejected, they're looked at as though they are not actually serious about their job, or they're fired for not demonstrating true commitment to the position. I think we all agree that they have a right to ask for that fair environment, fair pay, right? They, in this case, that's not in question. Nobody should be taken advantage of, right? We're all on the same page about that. It's just a matter of how do we actually help someone to ask for what they need in their life and do it even if they do feel the fear. This is probably where I go as a coach, you know, <laughs> often with people because I hear it all the time. People say, well, that's a conversation I'm not willing to have. Like we identify what the conversation is, but then they say, I'm not willing to have it because I'm not willing to risk my safe place right now. So what they're doing is tolerating something that they're not actually okay with. And it sounds like Hollywood has taken advantage of this phenomena yes. <laughs> yeah, that yes. comes totally... with a dream of Hollywood, right? Exactly. We actually, we do have a term for it. It's called the dream economy. Oh, <sighs> that's interesting. That's exactly right. It preys on the dreams of people who come to Hollywood, who want to break into the industry, who are then told, well, if you want to break into this industry, you have to do whatever it takes. But whatever it takes is an all-encompassing term that essentially includes abuse, 
of all kinds, financial abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse. And it's a gauntlet that everybody is expected to win if you want to make it in this industry. But what it really is, is an indoctrination into an abusive foundation Mm -hmm. and essentially continuing a cycle that has somehow been protected in this industry by previous generations. Yes. It's the shadow of mentoring. I call it the shadow of mentoring. That's a great term. When people tell you, this is what you have to do to be successful here. And this advice worked for them 20 years ago. It doesn't work today. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the other thing that I really want to kind of point out here is, and especially as someone who was an assistant, there are so many friends that I've lost because they have stood up for themselves. They have been fired and they have been shamed out of the industry. So the fears that we all have and that assistants have are things that are based on reality and things that they have seen, um, and especially the treatment that they've received. So I just also want to make sure that, you know, sure. there are assistants who are listening, who are also <laughs> not feeling as though the problem is that they just don't stand up for themselves or they just don't believe in sure. themselves. Sure. What we're going to get to, Liz, is an idea that when you stand up for yourself, it doesn't have to look like you storm into your boss's office and say, I demand a double in my salary or else fire me. I dare you. This is not at all what we're talking about. Not at all. No, and I, I didn't think it was, but I don't, I don't know if it's clear that there are assistants who will just do a simple, even an email, like, can we discuss a pay increase or go to their boss and say, Can we discuss a pay increase? It can be as simple as that, as small as that. Mm -hmm. And the retribution that they Mm -hmm. face is pretty significant. Oh, I totally hear you and validate that this happens. So what I'm asking Birgit to do is to construct a different kind of conversation that doesn't have any of those words that you just said in it and yet is empowering. So go ahead, Birgit. I would probably ask them, what do you really want to have happen? Let's start with the desired outcome. So what's the future you want for yourself? So do you want more money? Do you want less work? Do you want more life balance? Do you want more experience? What is it that you really want that you would find fulfilling? And then let's back into what are the current challenges, you know? So if there is if there is abuse that needs to be addressed, if it's just too much work and everybody is, is doing too much work for the same money because the budget is limited, then that's the challenge, right? That's a real challenge. It often happens. So we talk about that and we validate those challenges. And then we go into the domain of what do you think are your options? So you could stay, you could quit, you could stay and have a conversation. In other words, do something different. So let's maybe explore what that would sound like. What other options do you think you have, right? So we're exploring all the different options that an individual may have. And a lot of times it's changing the tone and changing the conversations we have. So instead of pointing to what is bad, what's wrong, what's missing, I coach people to focus on what do you want and talk about that. Make a request for what you want. Hey, you know what would work really, really much better for me is if I could just do this part of the job over here for the same amount of salary and do it really well because blah, 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 right? Versus complaining about what we don't have or what's wrong because that only results in usually a confrontation that goes nowhere. It sounds to me in Hollywood, the power is leaning towards one side. Mm-hmm. So does that answer your question, Melinda? I'm going to stop you for a moment. Sure. I mean, let's talk about, you know, the scenario where the assistant is mm-hmm. being underpaid, overworked. There are no personal boundaries. They fear from past experiencing, having seen what happened to the last person who asked for a raise, they got fired. They were, you know, told to leave the building before lunch. So their options feel very limited. 
how can that person go to the boss and say, here's what I want, and here's how this is exciting for you? That's kind of how I felt when we were talking about it in the pregame, where you were able to phrase it in a way like, oh, as a boss, I would feel, I would actually feel empowered by this request. Sounds counterintuitive, but go with me here. There's a conversation where asking for the raise is all about you and it's all about how much money you want, the raise itself, right? And then there's a whole other conversation. And I think that's the one to have. And it's the conversation about the value, the value that your work brings, the value. How do we measure the value? How do we know what it's worth? When you do your homework on that or you have that conversation with the other person and you are in agreement that you have increased the value that you produce, well, then it's only natural and logical to say, hey, if I produce this much more value, do you think it would be fair or would you be willing to give me an extra X amount of money for that? So it's not about the person. And I think sometimes when people ask for a raise, it's as if they are saying the money will tell me that I am as a person more valuable because you pay me more money. But it's never about the person. It's actually about the value that the person's work and their decisions and their intellect, you know, produces for the customer. From the leader's perspective, I've been asked for raises and done what I could to grant them. But I do know that it feels mm -hmm. different when somebody says, I think I should be paid more versus, hey, I've been with you for a year and I'm bringing all this institutional knowledge. I know everything about how you like to operate I feel like compared to somebody you'd have to hire off the street, were you to fire me, that's the subtext, compared to somebody coming in straight off, no experience with you, I feel my value add actually is not being reflected in this hourly wage that's been presented by the studio. Could we have a conversation about that? And it's I've, clearly, this is not coming from you, boss. It's CBS that mandates this kind of hourly wage. But can you and I talk about what you think is the value to your show and the show that you want to put on the air seamlessly and effortlessly or with this minimal like retraining and kerfuffle and like trying to dial in the new assistant possible. Like your time is so valuable that I don't want you to have to deal with retraining somebody. Mm -hmm. I mean, Liz, what that do you think about that? sounds pretty good to me. Liz, How does that sound to Liz, you, Liz? what do you think? Yeah, I think that the quietness that you're hearing is me going, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Go ahead. Then why doesn't, <laughs> it, why doesn't yeah. it work? Tell us. Assistants who will talk about what they bring, the fact that they do have previous experience, the fact that they're probably being hired for their previous experience, and they do deserve to be making more. And yet the studios everywhere not only mandate that everybody starts from the same scale, mm -hmm. you know, the same starting salary, regardless of previous experience, but many of the studios now are saying, well, if you don't like that, walk. And so it, it's a great way to approach it. I just also know that assistants listening will go, well, I've already done that. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't get me the raise. Mm -hmm. The problem isn't that I don't know how to ask. The problem is that it's, it's not being given to me. Hmm. It's that every time, every way that we have been asking for this, we have been ignored and told we are lucky to be in these positions. And if we don't like it, to find another job. Mm -hmm. But we're not making enough to be able to find other jobs. Hmm. Wow. Very good. What would you say to that? Well, it's hard to argue with. I don't want to argue with that because I think it's sad. It's actually very sad what's going on. I've seen this in a lot of industries. It's various degrees. So the culture is changing everywhere, but not, not at the same speed. The consciousness, the 
I would say, fairness and inclusion, equity, right? All of that. It's not happening in every industry equally and in every organization the same. But I think we're headed as a society to greater awareness about issues, around issues like this. And we certainly, I certainly agree. I I think something needs to be done. Now, as a coach, again, my bias is focusing on the individual I'm coaching at the moment and helping that person focus on what they can do. Even if it's just a small thing that they can do that would empower that person, I would have done my job, right? Now, I do it in large organizations because I'm a big systems thinker and I like to help transform these systems, but I'm not necessarily a miracle worker, you know? No, none of us will change this alone. I think we change it by having these kinds of conversations we're having. And we have to look at the moments when we sell out, give away our power to fear, because if we don't negotiate, if we just fold and tolerate, what are these people learning who are, let's say, quote unquote, the abusers, if they get away with it over and over, what is the lesson for them? Hmm. It's just a real question. It's not a trick question. No, the the lesson that they learn is that, you know, and that's exactly right, because it's the same lesson that they've been repeating for decades and decades and decades. And it's what they're repeating is when you have the money, you have the power. Mm -hmm. And especially from what I've seen working in Hollywood and working not just as an assistant, but at all levels in all different kinds of productions, whoever has the power gets to set the tone and gets to set the attitude. And that trickles down. I've seen assistants who have gone on email tirades back and forth for weeks to try and beg for 50 cents more for a raise Mm -hmm. to be continuously denied. I've seen assistants who were working the dreaded writer's assistant, script coordinator position, which are two separate jobs. Mm -hmm. And every time they approach the people who control the money to try and assert their power and assert their value, they are sometimes made an example of, or there are some people who have discovered they were fired overnight, weren't even told show up the next morning. Turns out their request for more pay didn't go over so well, and so they've been let go and replaced already. And because this is an industry that has a dream economy, the idea is, well, there's always going to be someone willing to take your spot. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's truth to that. Right. So... There's a double issue of not only are you trying to fight for yourself, but you're also trying to keep from being replaced by one of the 10 people behind you who would do anything to get your job. Mm -hmm. A lot of assistants feel that they are fighting and advocating and trying to assert their own self-worth, but without leverage, they're not being listened to. Right. Two things come to mind. Birgit and I were talking about well, I'll, I'll end with the offer. So let me talk about something that I'm personally trying to do. I'm currently in a development overall at ABC Signature, and they are really terrific. I'm not just saying this because I work for them, but I've been incredibly impressed with the ESOs and what they're trying to do across the studio in terms of having departments collaborate, having people really operate from a place of humane treatment of everybody. The lead with kindness idea, they actually liked so much, not to toot my own horn, that they wanted me to meet with other department heads, not just people who I I was directly working with. They had me meet with the head of production, John Ziffrin. He's awesome. He was very on board with what I'm trying to put out in the world. And he said, we're already doing that. That's great. You've come to a studio where you're not going to have to like 
go uphill to do this kind of thing. We are rowing in the same direction. So big shout out to ABC and ABC Signature. And I think that institutional change coming from the top, coming from the leadership at a studio level, at the leadership of an agency or a leadership of a production company, it does in some ways have to start from there. It can't just be a grassroots movement unless we want to stage a massive worker walkout from the assistant level, which yeah. I'm not advocating for. I'm really not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ditto, yeah. ditto. I don't think that that ditto actually serves anybody because the assistants are not unionized. Unless the assistants start their union, which, you know, it's a free country. Yeah. They will be replaced. If you did that today, they would be replaced. I'm not advocating for that today. What I'm advocating for is a culture shift that does have to start from many directions. So one direction that I hope to be part of starting it from is from the studio side, from the money side, from the power side, to be candid. And if they are aligned, which happily they already are at the place where I work, then hopefully we can spread that out. And I don't know, I'm not in charge of setting wages at any of these places, but even the notion that people deserve to be treated humanely and that they should not be put through some kind of gauntlet in order to pursue their dreams and their passions, that actually their dreams and their passions are what make them extra valuable and we shouldn't try to crush those on the way. Wouldn't our products be better? Wouldn't our systems be better at the studio? We would have fewer lawsuits. We'd have less turnover. We'd have better shows because people are working harder and really contributing and giving their all from their soul, I believe, if they're treated well. Having said that, very good. The thing that we talked about in the car about like, let's make Hollywood an offer. Can you talk about that? Yeah, because when we were talking about how so many people feel the fear and give away their power, I feel like we need to have a state shifter, like some program for them to get in touch with that and decide that they are not going to do that. We need to communicate powerfully, not from a victim place, but from an observer place who says we're lacking equity. We're lacking so many values that we hold dear. And so this is the gap. Now let's talk about how we can close it. That's a composure issue. It all goes very deep. And I think the offer I would want to make is to maybe put some time on the calendar and meet with some folks who are feeling disempowered and help them discover, rediscover their power and then find their voice and then come up with a very concrete action plan out of that what they can do, what they can control. Because again, you do not control the, the whole industry and you don't control what other people think or do. The only thing you can actually control is what meaning you attach and what place you come from, victim or creator, right? Like if you're a leader and you believe you can make change, you lead the change. So I have chosen that in my life. I'm transforming the US government on healthcare. That's not easy. I'm just declaring that's what I'm doing. And I keep on going and it's definitely not easy. But if I go to victim, I don't have the power or the energy to keep going. So I have to stay out of that place and say, it is what it is. And let's keep working towards the desired outcome. And that's where this conversation, I think, is so important and eye-opening. Because we need to have these conversations to build awareness so that we have more people with a desire to want to change it. To piggyback on what Birgit is saying is that the specific offer that Birgit and I were talking about is to have a Zoom workshop in probably late January that we'll post about on the Instagram lead W Kindness, the Instagram handle for this show. And it would be open to everybody. It would be free. And it would be about learning some of the skills of how to manage commitments and how to have conversations that are uncomfortable 
but that don't come from a place of feeling like you have no power, that actually come from a place of, this is my value. I might not get the outcome that I want, but I am going to train myself to have conversations like this. And I know that's a scary thing. And it's super easy for me to say, because I have a job and I'm not an assistant. And at the same time, I do really feel it's valuable to coach assistants in how to manage upwards, if you want to call it that, but to coach assistants in how to have conversations that don't come across as like, they're just complaining. And I'm not saying that they're not complaining without reason. They have so much reason to have concerns about how they're being treated. It's absolutely going on. The possibility of retaliatory firing is so real that I want to be very delicate in how I phrase this myself. But I think that as people, it's useful to have better communication skills. I think that's not a controversial statement. No, I think that's that's very true. And that is the Zoom workshop that Birgit and I are going to offer at the end of January, how to have skillful conversations, how to manage commitments with skill and professionalism in a workplace situation, also in your personal life. But just to give one example, Birgit helped me through a, a contract negotiation where we were waiting on like an email answer from an entity and that entity turns out wasn't even aware that they were the holdup. So she coached me to have this conversation instead of letting myself like wonder in limbo, when is anybody ever going to get back to me? She said, you could reach out to this person and say, hey, do you know who can get me the answer? And can you commit to telling me who's going to have the answer by the end of today? Doesn't mean that I need a yes or no answer. It doesn't mean that the answer is going to come today. I need to have information that you could get for me by today. Can you commit to that? And that changed everything because all the way down the dominoes of this particular holdup, everybody was like, oh, I didn't realize I was the holdup. Oh, I didn't realize I had a conversation. And it all was prompted by me asking just for a little bit of information from a person who could get me the information by the end of the day. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's the kind of coaching that we would be offering on this Zoom. It's not about storming anywhere. It's not about trying to get yourself fired. It's the opposite. It is about how to have skillful conversations in a workplace setting with professionalism that get results, that get you towards the desired outcome. And the desired outcome includes not getting fired, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good example, uh, Melinda. Golly. So these, you know, topics like this, they're obviously, they're high stake, they're really emotional and I have a different lens as a coach because I do always want to bring it back to what can I actually personally control, right? Because if I empower myself with that question, instead of feeling like a victim, then I can take action. And that's what coaching is all about. So if I didn't do that, Liz, you know, I'd be selling out as a coach, right? But I really Mm -hmm. respect your perspective and I, and I'm glad that you're standing up for what you believe in. And I am in no way, I don't want to be perceived as saying, you know, that if people just stood up, we wouldn't need unions or anything. Then no, 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 I understand. I really do. And yet at the end of the day, the only one I'm responsible for is me, myself and I. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I always start. It's like, what a meaning am I giving this? Am I feeling like a victim? Then I need to shift first before I can take action. Because it, the more action we take from a victim place, the more divisive the situation becomes and the less we're going to actually problem solve. And, and this is a whole nother conversation, perhaps for a whole different podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to close with one thought that Birgit often presents to me, which is, well, it sounds like you're at an impasse in this situation in your personal life. Let's just say this was years ago, but she said, you can powerfully choose 
to remain here. It sounds like you've got reasons to stay here and they are compelling reasons. And it's not a perfect situation by any stretch. But if you're powerfully choosing to stay here, as opposed to feeling like I've got no option to go, you know, you actually do have an option to go. It would cause different problems and you've chosen to remain in the situation for reasons that are completely understandable. But if you powerfully choose to do something, then at least you're mitigating some of the suffering. This is like a Buddhist mm-hmm. thing, like pain is inevitable, but suffering comes from resisting the pain or, or feeling yeah. like there's no choice. If you're powerfully choosing to be in a painful situation for a time while you're learning from it, at the very least, while you're taking the Zoom class about how to have skillful conversations, what can you powerfully choose to get out of that situation and preserve your sanity and your soul? That's interesting. Okay. I think that is a perfect place to conclude this part of our conversation. It is quite fascinating. And (laughs) I do want you two to have your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I do. So thank you, everybody, for coming in uh, for Lead with Kindness, where we've talked about how kindness can also look like very uncomfortable conversations where kindness has to incorporate abuses that are happening in the workplace that have real consequences and where we acknowledge that it's not an easy solution for any of it, but I believe should come from many angles, not just from the people who are being brutalized on the way up, but also from people who have the power to change it. So with that, thank you so much, Peter Saka Hansen and Liz Shalon Alper for coming in and talking about these things with us. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you for joining us for Lead with Kindness. I hope you'll come back next week when I speak with script supervisor DJ Barton and stunt coordinator Rorley Teo about safety and how that impacts people on set, not just in a physical way, but in an emotional and mental and psychological way, and how important that is for team building and health of your group overall. Thanks. <laughs>